Happy Mother's Day, everybody. That was too weak. <laughs> what happened? We're talking about the person that brought you into this world and the person that can take you out. Yeah. Oh, come on, brother. Come on. As I was reminded from time to time. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I have a couple announcements for y'all this morning. And uh, to find these announcements, I'm looking at my handy-dandy uh, bulletin on my church app here. So if you guys ever have any additional questions or you're like, oh, what did he say again? Like, man, he was just so funny. I couldn't even think about the actual information. Nobody's ever thought that before. Um, but if you ever have any additional questions or you don't remember exactly when something was, our church bulletin has everything that we talk about here during our announcements. So first, with Mother's Day being today, we have a special gift that we just want to honor you with after service. Uh, so that is for you. So mothers, make sure that you get something. Samantha, make sure you get something so I can have part of whatever it is, my wife. You can have it all. I'm just kidding. Uh, we also have a guest speaker that's coming with us next Sunday. We have Reverend David Husky who's going to be joining us. Uh, that's going to be next Sunday, so make sure y'all are here. Bring a friend. Make sure you get some people here. To, he's going to bring an amazing word. And I also have one more announcement uh, that's very dear to me. All the announcements are important, but when it's youth-related, I get a little excited. Don't blame me. Uh, we have summer camp coming up. Oh, I'm so excited. We haven't been in so long. They've been shut down, and this is my first time going to this summer camp. So, like, I have, like, 14-year-old excited energy about going, like, oh, my gosh, I wonder what kind of games they're going to have. Like, do they have a basketball court? Like, I'm very, very excited uh, for Mark's summer camp. This is coming up in June. And speaking of Mother's Day, speaking of summer camp, I'm so grateful that I had a mom who didn't ask me if I wanted to go to summer camp. But a mom who told me I was going to summer camp, <laughs> you're leaving next week, you can pack yourself, or I'll pack for you, you won't like the clothes I pack you, so I pack myself. But something about summer camp, something about getting away from your everyday routine, something about getting away from unlimited access to your cell phone and social media, like it's so much worse today than it was even when I went to summer camp. The only thing I got away from was like games on my phone that flipped up, okay? I'm old enough to have a phone that flipped. That's all you need to know. But something about intentionally, purposefully getting away from what we do every day and say, you know what, I'm dedicating this week to my relationship with God. And a camp just like this changed my life. And I believe a camp just like this can change the life of any young person in our church who's going to go. So I would ask that you guys, even now, to be praying. Amen. To be praying for Holy Spirit to move through the speakers, to move through the worship, to move even through the activities for the camaraderie that our students get together. And man, I'm so, so excited for this. You can sign up with me on Wednesday nights or on Sunday mornings. I have a sign-up sheet in there. And if you're a parent and you want to sign your kid up, I'm more than happy to do that. And you don't have to tell them until it's time to go. Um, <laughs> Because you're their parent and you get to do that kind of stuff. It's like, you don't want to go? Oh, that's too bad. Uh, the cost is $250. It's very limited space. So a permission slip and a $50 deposit is what locks in your spot. Um, the girls are on it. There's a good amount of boy spots left, but we'll, they'll get there. Don't worry. Um, but the girls are on it. They're ready to go. Very excited. 
Um, we also have a fundraiser that's going to be coming up, and we'll share a little bit more about that. Not a traditional bake sale like we usually do, but something where you guys will probably enjoy more than a bake sale. And I will just leave it at that for today. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for the announcements. I'm going to be putting my body on the line, y'all. Just we'll leave that there. Ping pong, I wish. <laughs> yeah, ping pong tournament. No, we have something really excited. So that's going to be it for the announcements today. Y'all have an amazing, amazing Sunday. And all junior high students, if you guys want to stand up and start to make your way to the back, I will meet you in the red room. And then Pastor Mark, if you would come. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, they're going to Old Oak Ranch, which if you know what that is, if you've been around, it's, Old Oak Ranch has been around for a long time. In fact, Pastor Kenneth Hagin, you know, Jr., who's Pastor Hagin, when he was 15 years old, it, Old Oak Ranch is where he got called into the ministry because Brother Hagin was preaching to the youth there during the, the 50s at that time and uh, ministering there for the Foursquare and all the things, and so... That's where he uh, uh, got called into the ministry. He actually got healed of a ear fungus that was in his ear, and he God did some supernatural things at Old Oak Ranch. And uh, so that's where they're going to be headed, and I'm sure that we need to help sponsor a lot of... Hey, it's Mother's Day, and uh, my wonderful wife is actually not in kids today. I told her she had to preach today. So you guys are going to be really, really blessed because we haven't heard her in a long time here. She's always encouraging and strengthening us, but always doing all kinds of stuff. She's got tons of people over there doing uh, children's church, and all the kids are making you, Mom, something really cool and good things. But God's given her a good word today to minister words of life. Amen? Amen. And I'm blessed. We're so blessed to have her. She's a blessing. So, Pastor Pamela, come on and just <laughs> preach, pray, prophesy, get us all there today. <laughs> Are you on? I don't know. Okay, here. No, you're not. Hang on. I, it, the thing <laughs> had you. Yeah, you did, but I didn't. Uh, I must have turned it off. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Hey, there you go. There we go. Thank you. How many moms are in the house? Ooh, that was a that was a lot of birthing right there. How many had? Well, obviously had one child. How many had one child? <laughs> okay. How many had more than one? Okay. How many had more than two? How many had more? Obviously, that'd be two. More than three? Ooh, we're still going. More than four? Ooh, oh yeah, you're good. You know, you're the winner. More than, let's see, what did I say, four? More than five? You're still going? Oh, over here too? More than six? Ooh, you guys both had six? You had six? Six is on the way. And you had six? Wow. That's amazing. Amazing. You know, having a baby in Genesis chapter 3, we learn right off the bat that it is going to be full of pain (laughs) and sorrow. And that really never ends. But no, um, it does end. It does get better. It gets better. But... (laughs) 
they, we, we can, you know, we carry them. We're, we're, women are so unique because we are part of life, giving life. And we carry that child inside of us and we nurture them and we protect them. And I don't think that ever ends. You know, I, we are, that's why you, you always hear the saying mama bear, mama bear rises up. You know, we are, we still want to hold and carry and love and protect our children and um, I think that comes right from, right from the womb. When we're carrying them inside, this is our precious seed. Amen. Well, Father, we just want to thank you this morning. Thank you for these beautiful mothers this morning. Thank you for this day that we can honor them. And Lord, we do remember the mothers here that maybe became a mother because of adoption or in foster care, and we honor them too this morning. And we remember the mothers that maybe um, lost children. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. I pray for each one here in this room that has lost their mother, that their mother has already passed on and um, is in heaven with you, and God, how they miss their mothers. There's just nothing like moms and And Lord, I just thank you. We thank you. We honor our mothers that you gave us. And we thank you. Um, Lord, I just, we just ask that you bless each one here this morning, that you would cause us to hear what the spirit of the Lord wants to say. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you want to speak to us concerning your heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, my heart is is definitely full this morning. with what the Lord has put in my heart to share, you know, being um, a mom is is a big job. And you know, when you're young, you know, you play you play dolls, and um, you have your you know, there's this this thing in you you love to play. Matter of fact, I just did my daughter-in-law's um, bridal shower. And I set up the backyard and put out all my cute little china and flowers. And as I was doing that, I felt like I was playing house again. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was almost like, wait, is this real? You know, it, it's just something in us to, to nurture. I had all kinds of dolls when I was a kid. You know, my uh, cousin, uh, Jane, she gave me a bunch of her clothes from her little, her little baby, and I had the real baby clothes and changed her little, remember, baby alive, you could feed her, and she would go potty, it was the best thing ever, until you had a real baby, and it did not smell like baby alive's, you know, poop, and so, <laughs> uh, but you know, being a mom is, is, a, is an important job, and being a father, of course, is an important job, and you know, I... I, I'm now on the other side of it. My children are all raised, and they um, are all married, and my two daughters have children. And now I'm watching my daughters, you know, get, I'm getting payback now. It's so nice to see that, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but they, you know, it's, it's I, I, my heart goes out to my daughters because it's, my one daughter, she, she is a single mama, and um and I remember those days, and you know, for all you single moms, that's a difficult, even more of a difficult job, and the struggles that you have to go through to be mom and dad, and you know, um, maybe some of you, you know, you you didn't have a mom that was a good mom. Maybe she wasn't a, a loving, caring mom. Maybe you went through foster care adoption. You know, but thank God that we have a father. The Bible says that though father and mother forsake us, the Lord will take me up. He will take care of me. So, but you know, um, we're here, I want to, we want to honor the mothers, but I want to share with you, and this, this really is a word for all of us because all of us are called to be a spiritual mother and a father. 
So don't, don't negate, negate this message this morning thinking it's just for the moms because we are all called in the body of Christ to, to mentor and to inspire other people in our life and especially this younger generation. Amen? Amen. Um, turn with me to Psalm chapter 78. And you know me, I love children. I, I don't know that I'm actually called to be um, in the children's ministry, but I am called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for me, the greatest, fertilest ground is our children's lives. And, um, you know, the Bible is very clear about the intention of Satan. Satan comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy and from Genesis chapter uh, 2, we see that in the beginning that God spoke, when he spoke to, to the serpent, which was Satan, he talked about that the woman's seed and his seed, that there would be a conflict. And I know that this was very prophetic of talking about Jesus, that one day Jesus would come, that a born of a woman, a seed born of a woman, and that he would crush his head, but he would bruise his heel. But, you know, Satan, when, if you look in through all the, in through the Bible, you see that Satan has only He's been after the children. Because of that prophecy, knowing that a child would come, he's always, you know, he's always out to destroy. And uh, we see that right out the gate with, with Cain and Abel, that Cain had an evil heart, Abel had a good heart. We see that Abel had a heart because the Bible tells us in Genesis or in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 that Abel had faith in God. And we just talked about this in our children's classes. The difference between Cain and Abel is that Abel believed in God. He trusted in God. He loved God. And his sacrifice, he gave the right sacrifice because it was based out of faith in God. And here's Adam and Eve that had the same children. Then there was Cain that had an evil heart who didn't want to do the right thing. And, you know, we, we, that can happen in our life too. You know, we, we uh, have our children and they're all so different. I mean, I raised my kids on mustard and mayonnaise. They had mustard and mayonnaise in their sandwiches. But as they grew older, this one says, I hate mayonnaise. This one says, I hate mayonnaise and mustard. This one says, I love mustard. You know, they all, they're all different. And, um, and they're all uniquely individual. But it's my job as a parent to nurture and to protect my child because the enemy wants to steal the destiny of my seed. My child has a destiny. My child was a gift that was given to me. And Satan would love to do nothing more than to pervert, to destroy, to alter, to to turn the destiny of my child. But as a woman and a mother, mama bear of God, it is my job to fight for the protection of my child. And, you know, in, especially in the world, in a time that we're living in, there is such an onslaught from the womb to destroy the child um, through, through, you know, coming in through kindergarten, preschool now, um, you know, just the gender ideology that's coming across and, you know, all the confusion. If it wasn't confusing enough to know if I should color with the red crayon or the green crayon, now I don't even know if I'm a boy or a girl. And the enemy just is coming to destroy the children because the children is our future. So in Psalms chapter 78, it's one of my favorite passages to read. Um, starting in verse one says, oh, my people, listen to my instructions and open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past and stories that we have heard and known 
and stories our ancestors have handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob and he gave his instructions to Israel and he commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. And here's the key. Why? So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands, then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Now, I know plenty of children that were raised in very godly homes, you know, um, pastors, you know, children, sometimes pastor's kids are the worst. I was a pastor's kid. I don't think I was the worst, but <laughs> I probably wasn't an angel. But, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, sometimes we do, we do instruct our children, we raise them, but, but they're still, you know, they, they're, they're still going to find their journey. Sometimes they go out like this, and then God will bring them back. And that's kind of the hardest, hardest part I've found in, in, in my time and season of my life is to, when I've had to let my children go on their journey, and I no longer have control to say no, Yes, no, <laughs> but I have to release them like the, the mother of Moses who put him into the river, right, of the Nile and had to release him into God's protection. And, and that's, that's where we have to get as a parent is we, we get to that place where I have to release my child, that God's going to take care of my child. And so it really doesn't matter sometimes if even if the home, if we've, we've raised them right, we've taught them right. You know, sometimes, again, we have Cain and Abel. We have a heart that's bent towards evil and we have a heart that's bent towards God. But I believe as a child of God, as a mother, as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that my prayers hold great weight over my children. And I believe that we as a parent, that, you know, this is talking about the importance of teaching our children about God teaching them the stories in the Bible. And, you know, whenever, whenever I speak to the kids in class, we say that this is not a storybook. This is not lullabies. This is not Cinderella. This is a true story, true stories. This really happened. This is a history book. And that I can rely that on what I'm reading truly indeed happened. And we as a parent, how important it is for us to tell our children about the miracles of God, about the things that God did, not only in his word, but the miracles that he did in our lives. The, 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 I think it's really important that our children, that they've seen our struggles, but they've heard our stories and they, they, they've heard the wild tales, but it comes back to, but God, God rescued me out of a pit of destruction. God came down and he, and my feet were going a wrong way, but God, he instructed me and I turned my feet to follow him. And, you know, and, and, and they see that, that, that life of faith because the whole key is that they might set their hope upon God. If there's anything that we need as a parent is to teach our children in a hopeless generation, in a generation where suicide is rampant from a small little child, how does a small little child have no hope and take their own life? 
How are they, how are they so in such despair? Why are such little children being put on antidepressants and depression medication at such a small age and they're in such despair? It's because Satan is after our seed and he's trying to feed them into hopelessness. And if you look at the world, you look at the government, you look at what's happening, they're saying the planet's going to be destroyed and, and there's no hope in the, in the, in the government. You know, jobs are, you know, an iffy and, you know, and, and there's just all this stuff coming against our children. And if we don't instill within them that they can trust God, then Satan can wipe them out. And so it's important that we as a church, we as a children's ministry, and we together as moms and dads instill within our children, you can hope in God. God will not fail. God is faithful to his promises. And no matter what you go through, God will deliver you. No matter how far you drift away, God is always welcoming you back home. You don't ever have to walk in shame. You don't ever have to walk in fear because he is the father who loves loves you unconditionally. It tells us in the scripture, uh, some words I want, I want to kind of break down. Hope, like I said, is a word that means to have confidence in, you know, how many children have confidence in their teachers? Do they have confidence in you as a parent? Do they have confidence in the government? What do they have their confidence in? What do I know that's not going to fail me? God. And you know, because me as a parent, I would like any perfect parent to please stand up. I would like to see you. Because I was not a perfect parent. If I could go back in my life now, and let me speak to all you young moms in this room. You know, if, if I could go back in my life and, and with, time, with my children being small, I would do things so differently. I would spend more time with them playing I would, I would spend more time, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, for years, I, I watched my father who, who would go into the living room every night and he would pray and we would have to go to bed and I could hear my father praying, you know, and so I did the same thing. When, when I became a mom, I had a room and I would go into my room and, and then I would pray and I would cry out to, to all of heaven and shake heaven. I never brought my children into that prayer room with me. I, I, I'm, I am ashamed to say that. I, I taught my kids to pray, but how I wish I would have brought them in there with me to be next to me, to pray with me, to teach them this is how you persevere. I was in a very broken time and a very, I didn't really want my kids to see my brokenness and and yet now I wished my kids would have seen me. Yeah, mom, you're broken, but here's how you touched God. You know, there's just things I, I would do different. I would, like I said, I would play more. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so stressed out. I, I you know, I, I would just, I, I, I mean, there's just ifs, 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 woulda, woulda, wouldas, and change, 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 regret, 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 right? Anybody else, would you have done some things differently? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be so, so harsh on them in some senses, but, I, but now I still have dreams. I have dreams of my kids little, and in my dream, I know I'm in a dream, but my kids are little, and I'm going, oh, and I'm holding them because they're little again, and I'm in the dream, and I'm holding them, and I'm just so excited, and then I know I'm in a dream, and then it wakes me up. I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, there's just that, I love being a mom, I, I you know, I, I love being a parent. I, I, that was something I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think I thought about being a parent, but when I became a mom, oh my goodness, it was love, 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 pure love. But you know, Satan is out to destroy, even to take, 
my own children, my grandchildren, especially because the call of God on my life. He would love to take and and alter the destiny of my children, but I want to be that mom that teaches them. I want you. Yeah, maybe you couldn't have confidence in me all the time. I wasn't the perfect mom, but I know the one who is the one you can have confidence. He will never fail you. He will never, he, he, he won't disappoint you is God. And that way we, we get them off of looking at us and we teach them to look at God. You know, not looking at anybody, but teach them to look at God. Um, so in this, it's saying it's that each generation will learn to set. To set means to place. That they will place their confidence. They will place their trust in God. When it talks about that they won't forget, not forgetting his glorious miracles, it means that they, they won't ignore they will not cease to care about the things that God has done. You know, and, and we have a generation that, you know, several generations now since, since my time when I was a young girl, that they, you know, do they really care about the things of God? Are they really concerned about the stories? Is it just a story? And that's why we've, we've picked up this teaching of the answers in Genesis because we really want the children to know these are true stories. Jonah really was swallowed by a well. And, you know, and, and Jesus really did multiply these fish. And because what that does is it puts a faith in them that, wow, that means God can do that for me. And, you know, as a small child, I, I had that instilled within me by my mom, my mom who's here today, you know, my mom and my dad, they instilled within us, you know, we learned to be people, uh, children of prayer, you know, we were pastors and, um, you know, we didn't always have a whole lot, but I'm telling you what my parents gave me was faith in God. And that's priceless. That's priceless. Now look in Judges, if you'll turn to Judges chapter 6. I I hope to accomplish a couple things this morning. One is I I don't want to discourage you. I don't want to bring condemnation on you as a parent, as a mom, because like I said, none of us have been perfect. But I do want to stir you up that you can start now. I don't care if you're a grandma, your mom, your kids are all grown up. You can start now um, being the one to protect your seed. Amen? But I want to show you in Judges just an example of kind of what we're talking about. It's the story of Gideon. And Gideon um, is is part of the tribe of Israel. And... um, Israel has come out, you know, of, of Egyptian rule, right? They came out of being slaves and God has blessed them, brought them into the promised land. And the Bible talks about when um, Joshua led them and then Joshua passed away. And then in Judges, you see quite often that there was no king. And so every man kind of did as they pleased. And kind of, you know, when you don't have anyone to rule, anyone to, to you know, to teach you the way to follow God, which is what a king was supposed to do, then they just followed their own heart. And so that's what's happening when we come into the story of Gideon. And I'm going to start with verse one. It says that the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And you can stop and think, my God, how did they do evil in the Lord's sight? I mean, he brought them out of Israel. He parted a Red Sea. He rained down manna. He brought in quail. He, he defeated, you know, they, they marched around the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho came down. They defeated, I mean, all the enemies. There was so many miracles. And, and yet 
they went back to doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And says, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from the Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. And camping in the land and destroying their crops as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites nothing to eat. And taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, the donkeys, these enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. And they arrived on droves of camels too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Sometimes when, when everything's gone, then we cry out, oh God. But you know, thank God they're crying out for his help. I don't care how far you go, how far you stray, cry out for the Lord and he will help you. Amen. And we could say amen right there and close. But the Bible goes on and says, and when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you out of Egypt, of, in slavery in Egypt, and I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove you, I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God and you must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of, of Abizer. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, now listen to this. This is where I want you to listen to what he says. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. There is a generation of children, of young people out there, and they're saying, where is this God? This God of miracles you talk about. Where is this God? You know, and, and, and their hearts, they, they're, they're feeling that God has abandoned them. And you see the despair and you see the depression. And we need to be the ones to rise up in this hour to point them back to faith in God. That he, the reason that God seems like he's not here is because we have turned our back on him. He didn't turn his back on us. And, you know, and, and I pray that the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I don't want to look too much at you, but I, I just pray that the Holy Spirit really, really moves you in your life tonight because, you know, or this morning, because have you allowed the gods of the Midianites into your home? Have you allowed the land of the blessing that God has blessed you with? Have you brought in the gods of this world into your home and, and, the, and your kids have seen you worship well, how do I'm, you know? Maybe you don't have an altar in your room, or you don't have an altar before Bell in your house. But what are they watching you spend your time on? What are they watching you that you are putting yourself in into submission to? In you're giving your time, your money. I mean, this is. I know this is a hard message, 
but I wanna stir you up because I love our children. And our children need mamas and daddies will, that will say, we need to repent of our sin. I have put the gods of this world before you in this house, but the gods of this house are coming out and God, Jesus Christ is going to be crowned and enthroned again in our home. You know, one of the number one things in this generation, um, I was researching this, that, that talked about the despair and the, and the depression and um, the suicidal thoughts that these children have comes from social media. You know, I wish to God we could take all the phones, all the apps, all the computers away from our children. Because they're, you know, I, I, we were, I can't remember where we were, were the other day, we were at the airport, and I'm walking, watching this young girl, maybe high school age, and she's just walking, no one else is with her, and she's walking really sexy, and she's flipping her hair, and she's got her phone like this, and she's, you know, doing her little selfie, I don't know if she's doing a video, but I'm just like going, wow, you know, <laughs> I mean, they know how to do that perfect pose, right? They know how to get that that model pose going, and, and yet they're comparing themselves to pictures that are not real. They're, compa- they're listening to things that aren't reality. Parents, mamas, daddies, shut the computers down. Get your children off of these things because they're affecting the, the, the identity of who God wants them to be. They're, the, the, Satan wants to make an identity according to his agenda. And you see the confusion in these children. They mean, they've got pink hair. They've got purple hair. They've got a multicolor of hair. They've got nose rings. They've got piercings all around them. They've got shaved hair. They've got long hair. They've got tattoos. And I'm not saying that necessarily, you know, that, that makes them a, a bad person. But I'm just saying they're looking. I want, to, I want to be different. And yet they're looking like everything that they're watching. And we as a parent, it's so important that we teach our children the identity of who they are in Christ. If we don't, Satan is going to steal your child. And they're going to just, they're, they're going to make the wrong choices and the decisions. If you still have influence in your home with your children, oh, I pray that you would have the confidence and the boldness to speak the truth. Amen. Gideon says, he's abandoned us. No, we've forsaken him. We've turned our back on God. And that's what happens when, when, um, you know, when, when the enemy attacks our home, you know, again, where have we put God in the priority of our houses? And, you know, and it goes on and, and you know, Gideon, he, he picks Gideon and he says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to go out and to uh, bring, you know, um, victory for Israel. And he says, you know, I'm the weakest, you know, among the smallest. And, and I'm not going to point into all that, but I am going to bring you over to, to verse 25, because I think this is important. It says, and this is after he's kind of proven God. And he says that night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old and pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. And then build an altar to the Lord, your God here on the hilltop sanctuary. Whatever happened to the altar in the home, the time that parents would spend in prayer and, you know, and I know our lives are so busy, but Satan wants to keep you busy. Satan wants to keep you distracted. And as much as I love your children, I have one hour with them a week. Well, two if they come on Wednesday, but not many of them do. 
There's about maybe four to six kids. I don't have access to your kids to teach them the things of God. You as a parent, you've got to build the altar of God in your home, amen? But I love this because God's telling Gideon, you go into your father's house, you burn down the altar of Baal, you bring down the Ashtera pole. This is the idolatry that your father has set up. And he says, and then lay stones carefully and sacrifice the bull on the, of offering on the altar and use the fuel of the wood of the Ashtera pole you cut down as the fuel, as the fire. I love that. And it says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and he did what the Lord God commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. And in their new place, A new altar had been built, and on it was the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. And the people said to one another, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But I love what his dad says. But Joash shouted to the mob that that confronted him, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. But if Baal is truly God, let him defend himself (laughs) and destroy the one who broke down the altar. I love that. You know, you are a product, not of, of your, and we are a product of our own choices and decisions, but you also had a mom and you had a dad, their mom and dad. Your mom and dad had a mom and dad. Their mom and dads and mom and dads had mom and dads and mom and dads. And, you know, we have all these mom and dads, right? And so, you know, you don't really know what happened in the generations before you. You don't know the generational things that your witchcraft or alcoholism or smoking or pornography, you know, you don't, you don't really know what, what sins were in your family lineage, you know, and, and, you know, it's typical that if, you know, if a child is raised in a home where there's drinking, the child will most likely drink. If a child's raised in a home that they're smoking, the child will most likely smoke, you know, and, and we see that these things are passed from generation to generation, but I want to be the generation that says, Hey, that stops here. That ain't coming down this lineage anymore. Maybe you have a generational of cancer. You have a generation of arthritis. The enemy sowed all this junk and, oh, well, grandma had arthritis, so I know I'm going to get arthritis too. No, it's going to stop right here because the word of God says that he has healed me by his stripes. I am healed and by the blood of Jesus, he became a curse for me and, and I've been redeemed from the curse. You know, it stops here. And, 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 and that's why I'm saying no matter where you are in your journey, let it end with you. You be the one, you know, maybe you have to tear down your father's Ashtera pole and the altar of Baal. Maybe you're the one that has to take the stand and say, no, this is leaving our family lineage. We are no longer going to allow this. This is not going to appropriate down my family. It's going to stop here. And I'm going to establish the altar of God in our home. I'm going to teach my children the fear of the Lord. Because why? I can trust him. I hope in him. He's a good God. When he says no, it's because it's for my good. He's not trying to run me to have a good time. He's saying, don't do it. It's danger ahead for you. Hallelujah. We saw Israel all hiding in fear. You know, uh, we have children and generations out here hiding in fear. And it's time that we show them that there is a God. 
So in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, go ahead and turn there for me. So let's, let's go around to the good side now. Okay, that's, that's the bad thing. That's a bad example. I expect you all to go burn your altars of Baal. <laughs> but again, you have to ask God, Lord, what is it in my home that I've made an idol, that I've allowed to take the place? You know, and, and again, I'm, I'm your pastor's wife. I love you, and I want to be, be honest, and I want to be very parental with you this morning. Your children are watching your life. What you make a priority, what you show them in your lifestyle is what they're going to reflect in their lifestyle. How you choose to live your life is how they're going to choose to live their life. I learned it from my mom. I learned it from my dad. You know, there's a story, and you've probably heard this, and I think it's hilarious, you know, about um, this girl, she's getting ready to cook a roast, and um, she takes the roast and she cuts the front of it and, and the back of it off and she puts it in the pot and she asks her mom, she calls her and she goes, mom, why, why do we cut the front and the back of the roast off? She goes, I have no idea. I just did it because my mom did it. So she calls her grandma, grandma, why did you, why do we cut the front and the back of the roast off? She goes, oh, I don't know. You know, my mom always did it. So we get to great grandma, grandma, great grandma, why do we cut the front of the roast and the back of the roast off? Well, honey, it's because my pan was too small. (laughs) You know, we think there's something so important to cut that, you know, front, that's no good in the front and the back, but it's simply the pot was too small, you know? But our children are watching. They're going to, they're going to follow our example. Amen? And, um, and, and, and so we, we, we've got to be, you know, we've got to be ever, you know, especially you women. Well, you're women because you're a mother. But moms, at every age that we're in, you know, and, and this is something that, you know, I'm striving to do with my girls. Wherever age you are, don't let them hear you talk ugly about your body or about yourself. Show them in each season of your life that this is who I am. This is me. Maybe yeah, I should do a little more exercises, but I'm happy in my skin. And you truly need to be happy in your skin. You know, and if you can improve it, then improve it. But don't go, oh, I just hate my body. I am too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too gray. My hair's too long. It's too short. You know, because what happens is that's going to affect their identity. And then they're, as they begin to age, they're going to start feeling bad about themselves. And maybe that's what happened to you. Maybe you heard your mom or your grandma talk about themselves. And so, you know, as you age, you, you feel bad about yourselves, but you know, protect, protect the identity of your child. In second Timothy, I want to get to this because I think it's so important. Um, Paul is talking to his spiritual son and he says something so important in first Timothy chapter, second Timothy, sorry, chapter one, verse five. He says, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. That is a powerful statement. We just talked about, you know, um, that the importance of teaching our kids to put their hope in God and their faith. And here we see that the the grandmother and of Lois and the mother Eunice instilled within Timothy faith. I don't think there could have been a better word for him to use than faith. Because faith separates you from religion. 
Faith is something I put in God. I put my faith in God. I'm not religious. I don't, you know, because we, you, you can go back and look at the story of Gideon. Gideon knew how to do religious things. He made an offering, he made an altar, but there was no faith in God. And so I can teach my kids religion, but here they taught them faith. He taught Timothy faith. And in Acts chapter 16, look there really quickly. Acts chapter 16. Why is this important? In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where, he, there, where there was a young disciple whose name was Timothy. And his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. And Timothy was well thought of by the believers. In, in, um, if you go over to the next chapter in chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 16, it says this. Um, let's look a little bit at the Greeks. And I want you to see this because, again, this is really important. Timothy's father was a Greek. His mom was a Jewish believer. And we find here that, when I'm just going to read a little bit of in Acts chapter 17, Greeks were very strong people. And, and, and we see that in chapter 17, verse 16, it says that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, Greece, okay, he was deeply troubled by, troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, um, we skip verse 18. He was debating with the Epicureans, the Stoic philosophers. I mean, he goes down and he starts talking to them, you know, about, I see that you have shrines to, um, to, to in, you're religious in every way, verse 20, 22. You're religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and one of the altars has an inscription to the unknown God. Um, you know, we, we went to Greece. Greece was a beautiful place. You know, it's a place of philosophy. It's a place of, you know, um, math. You know, we got our, a lot of our math, our uh, Latin words come, you know, from the, the Latin. Um, just brilliant people, but very idolatrous. And even when we're there, you can still see a lot of the, a lot of the, um, you know, the Athens. And we went to, to this place here, you know, in, in Athens and saw um, all these these shrines that are still there to this day. So for Timothy to turn his back on his Greek heritage of his father and to become a believer, a believer in Jesus Christ and have faith in God because of his grandmother, Lois and Eunice, it says a lot. And there was this faith that was passed. And so and when we look further into the scripture, we find that it's because Paul says, you were taught the scriptures when you were but a youth. And, and he was, so Timothy was instructed in the things of the word of God when he was a child. And his mother and his grandmother was instilling with him the faith, this faith and confidence in God, which overrode the, the idolatrous worship of the Greek father that he had. So it doesn't matter, even if you're in a home where the father, you know, your husband is not the, you know, he, he's not the cream of the crop when it comes to worshiping Jesus, right? You know, you can still, within this we see, there's still the possibility for you to instill within your child faith in God. And as a mother, as you instruct them in the scriptures and you teach them what? To have faith in him, that he's faithful, he is just, he is good. And Timothy, he became a pastor, a powerful pastor that we see um, in, in the word of God. You know, we, we have a choice to either let Satan just have his way 
or we fight for our children. And, and the number one thing that as a parent today, you know, we need to do is to repent. God, forgive me for any area in my life where I have failed to make you first in our home. But I want you to rejoice too, mamas, because I know it's hard. And, and some of you are working full time and you, you're taking your kids to soccer games and all these things. And then, you know, and you're cooking your meals and, you know, you're doing your exercise class and you know, <laughs> you're doing everything you can. But, you know, and you're bringing them to church. You're still bringing them to church. And, you know, and if you can just make that time at home somehow, let them see you pray. But don't let them, see, let them bring them alongside of you to pray. You know, again, I, when I look back in my life, like I said, the, the thing, and I recently talked, I actually recently actually had a conversation with my three children about, you know, I wasn't the most perfect mom and I'm sorry. You know, you saw me go through hard things. You saw me not always make wise decisions and I ask you to forgive me. But my children were so amazing. Their response to me, but I, but I said this, I said, but mom will always have your back and I will always be here to pray for you. And the things, the responses I was getting back was from my children was, mom, we know how much you love God. And you taught us to love God. And I'm thinking, oh God, thanks Lord Jesus Christ. I got that inside of them. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, because I got to release them into the Nile River. I got to let that basket go into the world. And I got to trust that God's going to take my child and guide them. And even though I don't like the direction it's going, I've got to know that God, you've got my child's life. And as a mother, again, I have authority. What would I do differently as a mom? Oh man, I, I, and I did some of this, but now in the hindsight, I would be more aggressive in making declarations over my children's lives. I would take the word of God and I would speak the word of God even from the womb. And I did a little bit of that, but I would do it more. And when they're born, I would be speaking life into them. I would be speaking the word of God. I would be, I would be fighting the enemy with everything in me. Anything that I know is a generational curse in my family, I would say, Satan, you will not bring this into my child's life. And I would, I would begin just to make those declarations, use the word of God, be a defense, be that, that shield around your children and grandparents. Again, we can all start now. I mean, we can pick that up even now and fight for the life of your child, fight for the life of your seed, amen, that they might put their hope in God again. You know, we had this new time change. I never know what time it ends. What time is it in now? <laughs> I know. I got to go home and cook my Mother's Day meal. So actually, he's in a barbecue. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, again, I, 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 you know, don't, don't let this be a word of condemnation, but let it be a word that I pray stirs you up. You know, let it be a word that challenges us again. And, you know, um, I, I hope that even as a body of HBC, that we would have that interest in our children in this ministry. There are children here that are living in homes that, that aren't, you know, godly homes. And we need to be surrounding them with faith and showing them, you know, not religion. Religion's ugly. I can't stand a religious spirit. You know, you see that all in the Bible. But are you show me a man and a woman of faith? 
And I don't care what they've gone through in their life. I don't care the failures, the mistakes, the problems that that they've gone through. It says the righteous fall seven times, but they get up. Let them see us get up. Let them see that we trust God, that we hope in God. We believe in God. We believe in his word. We know he will never leave us. We know that we will never forsake us. You know, I'll end with this. In Psalm 91, um, let me just read that really quick. I'll just close with that. Um, One thing in my own life that I know when I'm going through something is I got from Psalm 91. And I know you've heard this prayer many times, but it says in Psalm 91 that those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I will declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. You know, and it just goes on this whole promise in Psalm 91. If we could even teach our children to be men and women of prayer, that to know, to teach them that no matter what you're going through, if you've got a test at school, you've got a bully, you've got, you know, whatever it is that's coming at you, if we can teach them that I can go and that if I pray that I go into that shelter, the sheltering place of God Almighty, that in that place I am safe and the enemy can't touch me. I am safe and instill that within them, especially in the time that we're living in when there's so much fear, so many things that, that want to assail our children. Let's teach them the safety of the presence of God through prayer. Amen. Father, I thank you again for your word this morning. I thank you that you challenge all of us as fathers, as mothers, as mentors, spiritual moms, spiritual dads. Um, God, I thank you. That Lord, even as us, that, you know, those who aren't parents yet, that will become parents and um, wherever we're at in this, in this room, God, I thank you that we've heard your word today, that it's our responsibility, not just to tell the stories about you, but to point them in faith in you, that they can trust you, that you're a good God, you're faithful. And Father, forgive us, forgive us for any areas in our life where the enemy has tricked us and he's deceived even us and he's made inroads into our home and we haven't always been the best example as a mom or a dad and God, we've allowed the enemy and a voice in our home. We've allowed his voice to speak in our children's lives. God, I pray today that you would just continue, Holy Spirit, to show us where the inroad of the enemy is in our home, that, Father, we will close that door and that we will kick him out. We will tear down the altar of Baal. And, God, that we will restore the altar of the Lord, that we will become a man and a woman, a mother and a father, a grandmother, a grandfather of prayer. And that, God, we will continue to pray and cover our children. We will continue to pray for our seed, for our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And, God, I thank you that there is great power in prayer, and it avails much. And I thank you that we do, as moms, have great influence over our families. And, God, that you would show us the power of our influence in their lives. And, God, give us wisdom to be moms. Give us grace to be moms. Teach us to know what to say. Teach us know how to ensure them. Teach us, God, where the enemy is lied to our children. God, show us that, that we would know how to fight and to stand and, and, to, and to fight the enemy on their half, Father. Oh, we trust you. And we do like, like the mother of Moses, God, we put our children, God, sometimes in the Nile, but we trust you that you are going to take them to their destiny. 
We love you. We honor you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I do want to say that, you know, mamas, uh, well, all the mamas, all, if you're a female, you know, I, you know me, I just like to bless all of us. If there's enough, maybe men, you might have one. But may, all the ladies of the church, we have outside the door and to your left, we have a treat for you. And we just love you, and we want to give you a treat today. Maybe the only treat you get, I don't know. Maybe it's one of a whole bunch. <laughs> but um, And the children, if you have children in class, I know they made you something very special today. Know that you're loved. Don't feel like a failure. Don't feel defeated. Come on, rise up, woman of God. And, um, and let's see our children fulfill their destinies. Amen? Amen. God bless you. If, um, if there's anyone here that would like prayer, we want, I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. If you would like prayer, maybe you're a mama that's struggling and you need prayer, please come forward and let this prayer team pray with you for your, if you want agreement with your children. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.